Hey everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show. Welcome in July, one month away from football, pre-season football that is. Welcome in, I hope you're having a good weekend. We're delighted to be joined again by the guy who works for The Athletic. He's got his own podcast, GM Shuffle. Uh, look, welcome back to the show, Michael Lombardi. Great to be here, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. Uh, hope all is well over in Ireland. How hot is it over there this time? It's, well, I don't, I don't know about these boys, Michael, but it's quite it's quite warm in the north. Is it hot with you boys? Yeah, it's quite it's it's uh, it's nowhere near what you have, Michael. It's I'd say we're in the high sixties, potentially getting into the low seventies at most. Uh, yeah, we're in the nineties, which is good. I'm not complaining. We've had too many cold days, so it's all good. Can we take this opportunity, though, Michael, to wish you and everybody, especially watching this show, because it's going out on Sunday. Happy Fourth of July! I hope everybody has a great, really, really good weekend. But Michael, you came on the show early April, just before the draft. Uh, what have you been doing since to keep busy? uh well i mean besides listening to the people tell me i'm an idiot for mac jones you know uh deflecting all those bullets uh i've been uh, working on a new book uh book it's a book about the hall of fame it's a book about essentially you know when you go into the hall of fame everybody thinks you're equal right you know randy moss and tommy mcdonald are both in the hall of fame now who's a better player you know and so it's a book about Fading. It's a book about the best players in the NFL, the all-decade teams, players that I think have been overlooked, and coaches for that matter. And uh, it, it's a book that will try to generate some questions and maybe probe into the process of what the Hall of Fame uses. I mean, Jason Taylor was the first ballot Hall of Famer, and Charles Haley took 15 years to get in the Hall of Fame. And I think if you asked anybody, Charles Haley was by far the most dominant player. So what's wrong with the process? And I think that's what the book's going to examine and explore. And at the end, I'm going to come up with a top coaching list and a top 100 player list, based on the way I see it, not based on the way that, you know, that other might see it. And this whole notion that certain players from other eras couldn't play, I, I find that ridiculous. But there are some that probably could. I'm going to talk about that. I'm not going to discredit anybody who wears a gold jacket. I'm just going to try to put them in the right category. I think the Hall of Fame needs wings. You know, the PR wing, the, you know, the era wing, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the any era wing, and, you know, the beneficiary wing, statistical wing. And I think once you put that in a proper perspective, you'll have a better understanding. Of the I, I like the sound of that. Michael, over here in Ireland, it used to be the case that um, you used to have, people used to have two pictures in their, in their kitchen, generally, the, the Sacred Heart and JFK, but my wife is from Minnesota, and we I think we have Randy Moss in there uh, along, <laughs> alongside those that uh, those two. I, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I don't blame you. Look, well, I traded for Randy Moss. We traded a first round pick at Napoleon Harris for Randy Moss. It's the best trade I've ever made. And uh, of all, like Randy Moss is one of the greatest players I've ever watched practice and ultimately to dominate games. I mean, he was rare, and he was one of those guys that I say. You know, when you're driving to the stadium Sunday morning and you're the general manager playing against them, you're scared of shit. I mean, you're just nervous. You felt sweats coming down your face because he can beat you no matter what coverage you put on. It's like Tyree Kill now. You know, Tyree Kill is the best receiver in football. Nobody wants to talk about it, but he is because he puts the fear of God in every defensive coordinator. 
And I, I suppose what like keeping with the, that Patriots team as such, and also one of your your other former teams, the, the 49ers, we know Trevor Lawrence is going to start week one. We know Zach Wilson is going to start week one. Your thoughts on when we might see Trey Lance and Matt Jones, or do they redshirt this entire um, season, Michael? Well, I, I think Matt Jones is going to have to win the job. He's going to have to go to practice in July, at the end of July, and he's going to have to have four really good weeks, and he's going to have to do it. The Patriots are going to practice against uh, – they're going to practice against the Eagles and the Giants this summer. So he's going to have to have really good. He's going to have to beat out Cam and Cam's the incumbent. And you guys are all boxing fans. I mean, he's not going to win a decision. He's got to knock him out. And so I think that's Mac. The Trey Lance one, I can't imagine that a kid who threw the least amount of passes in the National Football League in college football can enter the NFL after missing a whole season and pick it up. The speed of the game and all those things, I think, become a problem. So, uh, you know, I don't see that happening. I, you know, but Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy, so that's a concern. And and Kyle's such a really good defense offensive coach that I think he'll get Lance ready to play in some capacity, not completely. Michael, when we spoke to you last, the Aaron Rodgers situation hadn't really escalated. I suppose it was only draft week when Adam Schefter broke that story. Neither party has flinched since. Um, we're kind of coming towards training camp. Some of what your expectations on Rogers. I know people suggest he's he's got issues with the general manager, but but you know most people would recognise that the Packers' decisions are really made by the president, Mark Murphy, and maybe the issues more so with him than the general manager. I agree with that, and I think that I, I've said that all along. I, I think what we're headed for here is uh, a situation where you know Aaron's going to have to make a hard decision because I think the I think the Packers are going to call his bluff. The Packers are going to trade him. So if he wants to opt out of the year, he's fully capable of doing that for COVID. He can opt out. He won't get any money, but yet he doesn't have to start paying back money. But he loses a year at 38 years old. Do you really want to do that? And his contract gets told for the remaining for another. So his 221 contract, when he comes back in 22, becomes 221 again. So I don't think you want to do that. And I think that basically he uh, – you know, he doesn't have a lot of options. If he wants to start paying back the bonus and retire, that's up to him. But I don't think this is not the NBA. He's not going to force their hand. The, the collective bargaining agreement was put in place by the owners and the players to avoid situations like this. And the players and the owners agreed on it. Um, Michael, I, I can't wait to read the, the book on the uh, the Hall of Fame in many respects. I mean, um, you're right. They're not all created equal. Players, some players have made two all-decade teams like um, Brady and Warren Sapp and, you know, um, Reggie White and people like this. So obviously, the, you know, there's not equivalents. But thinking about, you know, you you we touched on two of your former teams, the 49ers and the Patriots. There's an awful lot written and an awful lot of books around those great dynasties and what's occurred there and kind of in a similar way to what you're trying to enlighten on the hall of fame, the stuff that maybe doesn't see the light of day in terms of the reality of the difference. What's the thing that people miss about those two great dynasties? What's the thing all these guys write about, but they just don't get, cause you were there, you you've lived and worked with both of those. organizations. Well, I, I think the number one thing, I think they both are very similar in terms of the culture, right? So Walsh had this thing called the standard of excellence. 17 qualities that he had believe that he believed in and and the 49ers were all culture based they were never anything but more you know everybody thinks it was the west coast offense and smash seven curl and 
you know, and 20 bingo cross and all that stuff. But really, at the end of the day, it was Walsh's culture. He, you know, I can remember, and I wrote about this in Gridiron Genius, you know, he, I was up in the press box and, you know, and he tells, and Mike Holmgren says, Coach, Coach Walsh wants to talk to you. And I put on the headset and, and he tells me to remind me on Monday to fire the PA announcer because he felt like the guy was acting like a jerk, you know. And so he held everybody accountable. He held everybody to a standard of excellence and he instilled that culture. You know, and I wrote about this for the Daily Coach, which is a website uh, that Coach Raveling and three other gentlemen and I started. Uh, it comes in your email box every every morning. It's a, it's a it is basically trying to be a coach in your life. And I wrote about the 76ers losing their basketball to uh, the Hawks and how the process, they always call this in Philly, where if you lost, you got these high picks and you're going to win. Well, you know, and, and, and the point of the column was culture doesn't get tacked on after you win. Culture is the reason why you win. And that's Walsh's quote. And that's so true and so real. And so when you look at the Patriots and you look at the 49ers, they line up identically when Walsh was there and he installed the culture. And then when he left, Seifert could come in and run the, run the program as if it was no big deal. Now, remember, when George Seifert coached at Cornell, he was a disaster. He got fired at Cornell. When he went to Carolina, he went 1-15 in his third year. He got fired there, too. But George never really understood it was culture-based. I mean, George won two Super Bowls for the 49ers. He's not even going to be in the Hall of Fame conversation. Because the culture that he was established, he just got into the car. He didn't make the car. That's not a knock on George. That's just the reality of how strong Walsh built the team. Michael, it's been announced this week uh, the trial pitting some members of the Boland family against trustees of the Broncos and other members of the family has been vacated. Originally supposed to happen on the 12th of July or so. Do you think this points to finally a settlement getting done and a potential seal? And I'm actually going to go another step forward. I've seen a report this morning with the gambling industry in America getting so big and so big, there's talk a team could go from anywhere between eight and $10 billion. I mean, can you see that being a reality in the next couple of years? Yeah, I can. I mean, it's, well, you guys know, you know how big, how much these soccer teams that you guys know over in Europe, I mean, they're mm. huge, right? And betting motivates it. I mean, look, it's just where we are in, in the world, these franchises and, and you need, television you need programming and the nfl gives you programming and so this new tv deal is going to be very rich and so the france the value of the franchise goes continues goes up it's going to be very challenging for some of these owners like mike brown who owns the bengals when he you know when he has to pass over the team to uh to his daughter and his son you know that inheritance tax is enormously expensive you know, it's something that, you know, the Steelers try to work their way through. And, you know, and I'm sure it's going to be a problem in Denver once they settle this issue. But and Chicago's had the same problem. The Bears have been rumored that they might be for sale because of the inheritance, because of the value. You know, Papa Bear owns the team for, you know, it's 200, say he paid $200,000 for it. Now it's worth $6 billion. That's a lot of tax money you got to come up with to pay when the transfer happens. So. Yeah, I think these uh, these uh, these franchises, even in basketball, which interesting to see what their ratings are, was they are they going to still come up and go? I think it's going to continue. Betting has just like fantasy football, betting has made the NFL even more popular. 
Michael, I know that we had a piece recently in the Daily Coach, uh, the difference between uh, good and great. And I'm kind of interested a little bit in, in continuing in the Broncos side of things. We know Vic Fangio is a great DC, but Vic Fangio right. is entering year three as a head coach. He's had, the Broncos have really not had any changes to the coaching staff. They've had the least changes to the offensive line in the AFC West because the Raiders blew it up. Uh, the Chargers brought in some guys and the Chiefs were kind of forced to change theirs. Vic has got a, a secondary who are the kind of the envy of the league right now. He's got Von Miller back. He's got a wide receiving core. He's got tight ends. Yeah, there are questions at quarterback, and obviously he's got to go get Mahomes and Herbert. But is is it fair that the Broncos fans have reasonable expectations of, of looking to get 10 wins uh, out, of, out of this coming season? I'd be really disappointed if they didn't get 10 wins. So I think, you know, Belichick often says we have to avoid losing before we can win. And for Denver, that, that's, that's going to be the mantra. If Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke's the quarterback, they can't screw it up. They're too good. If they don't give the game away, their defense is going to play. They're better as a complete team than Washington. And they might be not as good talent-wise in the defensive front, but they could have elements of Washington's defense. I think this is a really good team minus a great quarterback. Now, they, if they get good play out of quarterback, can they win 10? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really – the AFC West, I think, is a really good division this year. I think the Raiders, their over and under number is, I think, seven and a half, you know, and I think partly that is because they're in the West, you know, and, and the Chargers could certainly improve. Like you mentioned, they fixed their offensive line with with the, with the addition of, of Corey Lindsey, and then they draft Slater at the left tackle. So they're really improved. So I, I, I do, but I think Vic has to be able to – be a head coach, coach the game so that he's not conservative, but they don't give the game away. They can't give the game away because they're too good. They're too good in every area. And, 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 they, and I think this year, more than ever, home field returns. And last year, we didn't see it at Denver with mile high. Even though it was at an altitude, we didn't have the fans worth there. We're going to have fans, and it's going to be a hard time to go into Denver and win a game, especially the way they play defense. Mike and I am going to stick with the team of the NFC North again, and this time in particular it's the Chicago Bears. So recently Matt Nagy was very adamant on a Chris Collinsworth podcast that Andy Dalton is a starter and Fields will sit behind him as the, the backup. We've seen in the past where rookies have gone in in training camp and they've, they've blown the doors off, and they've you know, an empty won the, won the position straight away. But yeah, Nagy is adamant that's not going to be the case. Are you surprised by that, or is, is he going to look foolish in the end? I, I mean, nothing about that Matt Nagy says or does surprises me, actually. You know, I think it's the example of if you're a leader, you know, and you want to create competition. Al Davis used to say all the time, when you speak to the media, you're really talking to three groups of people. You're talking to the fans, you're talking to your players, and you're talking to the owner. And when you say you have no competition, what does that say to the other players on the team? That they have competition, but Andy Dalton doesn't? I mean, you know, there, and there's so many ways Matt could have gotten around it. Look, we signed Andy Dalton. We didn't anticipate that we were going to be able to get, you know, Justin Fields. But look, Justin Fields, I can't control how he plays. I can only help him try to become a better player. If he takes over Andy, that's on Andy, not on me. Like, leave it on the players. Like, we're going to have competition at every position. Because, look, I know you went 8-8 eight eight last year, and I know you went to the playoffs, but your team sucked. 
You got killed in New Orleans, right? You got to rebuild your team. You're over under by the bookies of seven and a half. Nobody thinks you're any good. And all of a sudden you're giving away jobs. Like that's not what leaders do. That's not what leadership is about. You got to stroke. You got to push people when they go too slow. You got to put calm them when they go too fast. Matt's just making everybody happy. You do have a poor season. They've done number one pick either next year. That's gone as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to give up a high pick to the Giants if they don't have a good season. And we don't talk about it because it's the – but their, their defense didn't play anywhere near to where everybody thinks they did. I mean, they traded Leonard Floyd for Robert Quinn and essentially, you know, they cut Floyd, signed Quinn. Floyd has his best year for the Rams. Quinn could barely got – like, I think he got six quarterback pressures all year and three sacks. I mean – they're really they're, they can't rush the passer like they did. You know, Khalil Mack wasn't the same player, and that secondary wasn't the same way that when Vic left it. Um, Michael, when we started talking about the Hall of Fame, we're talking about your article about good, not great, and now we're on to the Broncos and the Bears. So this is definitely going in one consistent direction. But with, with that in mind, I mean, we talked about your time around greatness and obviously some great franchises, but. There are times as fans, not even people close to the NFL, that you see uh, a player, a coach, or someone come in and you realize, no, that this isn't going for greatness. This is going for the, the great abyss, if you like. I mean, Adam Gase's first press conference as the New York Jets head coach springs to mind. There's warning flags flying all over the place. Are there, you know, I don't want to dwell on the negatives, but have there been experiences in your time in the NFL, whether with a team or just observing from afar, that you've gone, that's that's going to fail. Like, that's just doomed to disaster from the outset. I thought Zach Taylor, when he got hired by the Bengals, was doomed for disaster. You know, I just don't think – and I don't – and I have nothing against Zach Taylor. I just don't think he's ready to be a head coach. Look, here's the thing about being an NFL head coach. It's a harder job to get to the United States Senate. You've got 52 senators. There's only 32 head coaches, right? So it's a really hard job to get. And, and the fact that it's so hard, you better be qualified. Henry Kissinger says in his memoirs, when you move to Washington, you borrow on the intellectual power you bring, and you can't renew it once you're there. Well, when you become an NFL head coach, you're borrowing on the intellectual power. It's hard to renew while you're in the job, because if you lose them while you're renewing your intellectual power, you're fired. So if you're not prepared to be a head coach, you, it shows up pretty quickly. And I think Zach did. I think there's a lot of guys that show up. I mean, I don't think Matt Nagy is qualified, has been a very good head coach. I know he went to the playoffs twice. But I don't think he's a leader. I think he's a play caller. I don't think he's a true leader. I think he's a play caller. So what's the difference, right? Leaders do the right thing. Managers do things right. And to me, Zach Taylor and Matt Nagy and some of these other guys are managers. They're not leaders. Michael, uh, probably just do another quick fire question each year. Uh, for me, the draft, which pick in the first round or even in the second round made you sit up and go, what the hell was that? Was it the Raiders or was it somebody? It's else? always the Raiders. I mean, it's always the Raiders. I, I, you know, you got to wonder where they thought Leatherwood was going to go when they took, you know, Farrell. You know, when they took Farrell, you're like, they took Arnett. I mean, Al Davis, if Al Davis was in the room trying to draft a four, five, seven corner, now I know they had a four, four, nine on him. I mean, Al Davis didn't think four, four, nine was fast enough, let alone, you know, I mean, just some of the picks that they've made with John. Like, there's such a disconnect. I mean, Mark Davis thinks John was the reason why we won back in the early 2000s and 2001 and two. It was Rich Gannon. It wasn't John. John played a part. We all played a part. John played a big part. But the way John builds a team and the way John drafts, it really does shows that he doesn't really understand it. 
I'm interested, uh, I, I suppose, you know, the continuing kind of for, to get your insights and again, the, the good to, to great piece. Have there, has there been any team who've made moves in this offseason, be it bringing in a, a new head coach or maybe the draft or the, the offseason um, the, the off moves that you think can make that, that step in the 2021 year and go from good to great? Oh, I think Cleveland's got that opportunity. I don't think it's because they signed Clowney because I'm not a huge Clowney fan. I think Clowney will get hurt. But I think they're trying to be, get the – I mean, they know they had to shore up their defense. And I think they've made moves to try to get there. And so for them to get great, they got to get, they got to really improve their defense. And they, they've got a good offensive. They've got one of the best offensive lines in all of football. You know, I think that they, they certainly have a great opportunity to do that. I think the Colts have a chance to go from good to great. You know, they made the playoffs. They gave Buffalo all they could handle in the playoff game. If Carson Wentz becomes better than Phillip Rivers, they're going to be great. You know, they got a chance to be much better on defense. And, so I do think that that they're a team that to, to certainly fits into that category. I wish I could say that about Denver, but I just hold back the greatness because of the quarterback. If you put Aaron Rodgers on Denver, or if you put Deshaun Watson on Denver, now they're a great team, you know? And But that's easier said than done. But to get from good to great, it's a hard step to take. You got to go through it. You know, I think Minnesota this year is a team that needs to get to good, not to great. You know, they can get to good. You know, and so I think they could, they need to keep building in that direction. And New, New England, for example, they got to get good again. They, they can't, we're, you know, they're not solid they're going to get great. Michael, I was slightly surprised last week when I saw the Mary Jackson's renegotiation with the Ravens involved, his mother doing majority negotiations. Is that a dangerous move in your opinion? Should he be going down the league or in terms of getting someone in that should be more clued into these type of contracts to a certain extent? I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, the contracts are pretty are pretty available, and hopefully she has an attorney to help her. I think the language of the contract has to concern them. Look, here's his, let's just go through it. Pedestrian life. We know Patrick Mahomes makes 45 million. We know Dak Prescott makes 42. We know Deshaun Watson makes roughly 40. Okay, where are you going to put, where are you going to put, where are you going to put Lamar? He's better than Dak. Okay, he's better than Dak. There's no guy. He's one MVP of the league. All right, he's better than Dak. You know, he's better than Deshaun. So is he 43? Is he 40? He's not better than Mahomes. So is he 43? Is he 44? Is he 44 and a half? This is what we're negotiating. You know, if Baltimore says, oh, no, 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 he's 35, well, you can't get a contract done that way. You're not going to get one done. Baltimore's goal is to get him near Deshaun Watson, you know, with incentives to get higher or like lower than Deshaun with incentives to get higher. So I don't think that's the hard part of the contract. I think the language part of the contract and the way the money's paid out and the protection of the player, those are the hard things that have to be written by lawyers, not by some woman that represents her son. There's a narrative out there that the Ravens could potentially take advantage of the situation. I'm not sure they can. I mean, if I were the Ravens, I said this on my podcast that I would make sure he had a lawyer but that's against Maryland state law. Like I would encourage him to do that. Like I would never want, like I would not want to be perceived as trying to take advantage of a young man. He's earned it. We're not, we're not talking about, we're not, we want to, you know, this isn't back to when stars were on the lot at Warner brothers and Jack Warner was trying to make all the stars sign these huge contracts or, you know, there's a, there's a bar in Los Angeles called the Troubadour, right? And the Troubadour uh, would sign artists like Elton John. And so he signed out. He signed Elton John 
Doug Weston was the guy's name. He signed Elton John for a uh, to appear three nights at the Troubadour before Elton John became Elton John. And in that contract, whatever happened to Elton John, if he became successful, he had to play ten nights at the Troubadour for the same rate that he was those three. Well, you know, if you're not, you sign that contract, right? You say, oh, shit, at least I know I'm going to get 10 nights at this money. Well, now you're a marquee star. You know, now you're basically playing 10 nights for free. That's taking advantage of somebody. I don't think people are going to let them do that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens want to avoid any suggestion of undue influence because they don't want issues with their franchise quarterback. But, you know, exactly. I mean, we, we've got to, we've got to rank the uh, function of the Ravens front office potentially above the dysfunction at times of the Cowboys front office and how they might negotiate that deal as well. Um, yeah, Michael, I, I, have I, to would ask, so. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to ask you one very quick fire question, a very specific question. Um, Tom Brady, the guys might have heard me talk about him. You know, he's won seven Super Bowl rings, five Super Bowl MVPs, four, three NFL MVPs. You know, kind of well known around NFL circles. But he was in the news recently where uh, it was leaked that uh, apparently during his free agency tour, there was one team that decided they weren't going to go with him and weren't going to entertain uh, his uh, him as an option. And Brady's response was, "They're really that they're going to go with that, I'll say, mother lover, because it's a family show. Any view in your mind as to what team he was talking about? I, I On my podcast, I guessed that he was talking about uh, Miami. Because I, I, I knew that Tom wanted to go. He wanted to be on the East Coast. Now, there's some speculation that it was Ryan Tannehill. But here's what I would say. I think that whoever he was talking about, it had to come from either a coach that he knew or a general manager like and Brable, like Mike Brable and Tom are friends and Brian Flores and Tom are friends. So that leads, you know, like that, you know, to me, it wasn't Garoppolo because the 49ers, I think Kyle was interested. I think the 49ers were just coming off the Super Bowl and they're like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to do this? You know, it wouldn't make any sense for them too. So I, I think that's the case. I think it was more, I think it's either one of those two teams. My guess was Miami. And, and if he played in division, that would have been some story forevermore, of course. That's why I think it was because I think he would have liked to play in the division. It, uh, it definitely worked out well for many men in that sense, I guess. But uh, Michael, look, it's it's been great chatting to you again. We 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 massively appreciate it. Uh, you can check out Michael's Twitter account at M Lombardi NFL. His work across many different platforms, including the Athletic, which you can get over here now as well. Michael, we'd love to have you on again at some point in the future. And uh, thanks again thanks, for time. Have a good one. Keep keep safe. Thank you so much. Appreciate being here. Ha- happy Fourth of July month. Thank- oh, I can't wish that to you, but happy have a great weekend. I'm sure you guys will. Just an excuse to have one. (laughs) Absolutely. Our next guest on the Irish NFL show is Alex Kuzmerich. Alex is a space science student and national team member currently playing in GFL 1 with the Kiel Baltic Hurricanes, previously having won the Shamrock Bowl with the Belfast Trojans and spending time in Brickball with Tamworth Phoenix and Edinburgh Wolves. He's also experienced in flag football and, and as a coach, including as a DC for the University of Edinburgh. Alex, welcome in. Hi, cheers. 
Um, so I suppose, uh, you know, a really interesting kind of uh, background uh, in the sport and obviously now playing in Germany, but like we may as well begin at the beginning. How did you kind of first get into American football? Um, well, the first thing that started it was I was probably like 10 or 11 and um, my dad had got us, uh, me and my brother, for our birthday, like a PlayStation 3 from America and it came with Madden 07 or something um and it was the only game that came with it so uh we, we gave it a go and had no real clue what was going on um but you know we were kids and it was good fun but um i've always been a bit of a bit of a numbers man bit of a numbers nerd um and so i started getting then like i liked following originally college football uh and just following like i, I, I like the numbers aspect of it and um and people hitting each other but yeah so i actually started watching college football first um and then um some friends of mine in secondary school one of them was from atlanta so we watched the super bowl and i started getting into that and then watching it um and then when i went to university uh i mean i, I was i was a rugby player and i liked it but i, I wasn't very good at, at much aside from um, tackling people and so uh yeah, I decided that maybe if I just played a, a sport in a position where all I had to do was tackle people, that maybe uh, I'd enjoy it even more. Um, so when I was like 19, um, now near six years ago, um, I, I went and was a rookie at Belfast Trojans and it was good fun. I was, well, I said I wanted to be a safety and I was told rookies don't play safety. Um, I was a corner uh, and then moved from being a backup corner to being a starting linebacker, um, which was the beginning of my sort of, uh, let's say, versatile experience of football. Um, I think I'm, I'm really graduating to being a positionless wonder at the moment because um, uh, I played, played strong safety for a bit of Trojans and then I went, I worked in England on placement. Um, I played with Tamworth there and I got more exposure to like free safety and deep safety work and got playing flag um and then i came back uh did my final year and that was in 2019 um so i was captain of the trojans and we won the shamrock bowl that year um and then off i went to uh, scotland when i graduated and i was training a bit with edinburgh wolves before uh, covid and in that time i was actually really lucky i got to um i mean i played against a couple of uh, american colleges uh, I played in Luxembourg. I was on an invitational team in Iceland um, with Phoenix. I got to go to Copenhagen and, and play against um, Oslo and uh, Karlstad. Uh, so I, I got to like experience lots of lots of different teams and lots of different opportunities. Um, and then yeah, COVID happened, and um, I uh, yeah, I, I sort of had my heart set, having missed the season, and I felt like I was really really flying. Um, in the 2020 preseason, so um, with having gone back to uni and things being remote, I thought it would be a good chance to like try and push the boat out with getting over to Europe. And so through um, my DB coach uh, with the Wolfhounds, the national team, um, Dara Farrell, he had a lot of contacts in Germany, so I spoke to him about the process and put put together my 2019 tape and sent that out. And so I had a decent bit of interest and. Some GFL two teams and some Finnish teams and the like, but then um, 
uh, Keel Wolf of Hurricanes from the GFL one, they were really interested. And so uh, they got in touch back in January. Um, and yeah, sort of hashed things out. And um, I mean, there were there's certainly some um, hiccups on the way, all COVID related. Uh, so I, I only got over uh, two weeks before the season started uh, and then had to quarantine. So I had three training sessions before my first game. So um, <laughs> it was definitely... Uh, I'm probably still getting used to the speed and the um, the speed of it. Mainly, <laughs> that's the main thing. Uh, with my preseason, you know, it's um, it's certainly been a steep learning curve, but uh, I'm enjoying it. And I, I'm not playing. I was supposed to be a safety. Um, I was a free safety the last full season I played, um, and I'm a free safety for Ireland. I'm not a free safety in Germany. I'm a linebacker, so um, probably. I think I'm probably the GFL one's smallest starting linebacker, but it's more of a hybrid role anyway, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I've got um, three games now under the belt. Um, I'm on the way to Berlin this weekend uh, for game four. And um, yeah, we're hoping for a bit more success this weekend. And that's, that's where I'm at now. So. Well, that's, I mean, firstly, I think the number of people who actually get into the game because of Madden is is quite considerable. Uh, I, I think also, you know, the the, 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 the liking for stats, but also violence. Uh, we had Benjamin Albright on the show last week, and I think he described football as uh, violent 3D action chess, uh, yeah. which I, I think is a good encapsulation of it. But can I ask you before uh, we move on uh, to the next, I suppose I'm interested just in, in terms of playing safety, you said like, you know, that, that's what you wanted to do almost from the outset. How did the interest in, in the safety position come about? Was it, was it a particular player or, or what was it that made you want to play safety? Um, yeah, so from my, from my start with college football, um, I really love, and this tied over into rugby a little bit. So there was an Australian rugby player, Nick Cummins, whose nickname was the Honey Badger. And this guy was an absolute weapon. He was hilarious, really good player. Like he threw himself around. He was just, and that's why he was called the Honey Badger because he just you know, didn't give a shit, that sort of thing. So, uh, and at the same time that I was enjoying um, Nick Cummins, the Honey Badger, I was also enjoying Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Um, and I felt, uh, I don't know, I just felt like I felt like I was a similar sort of player where like I wasn't necessarily, um, I'm, I'm still not, I wasn't necessarily, I definitely wasn't, sorry, let me correct myself there. Now I'm not necessarily, um, like not, not an athlete, but more, you know, playing, playing smart and playing physical and just playing high effort. And that's, that's what I thought I was. I was like, I'm not an athlete, but I'll, I'll do my best. So um, I really, really liked Tyron Matthew um and that was probably the start of it and then as well um uh cam chancellor uh who i definitely not like but i wish 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 i was um he was definitely a big one and and because that was where a lot of the hype then when i was a teenager was all about the seahawks legion of boom and i was like yeah that looks that looks like fun that's the sort of thing i want to do and i think it was actually it was like the defining moment that made me go i'm gonna do this was in a rugby game we were getting spanked by a team and um their number eight picked up and he, he ran the ball in from he jogged the ball in from about 20 meters picking up from a rock we were everyone was tired and he sort of showboating behind the try line um and i was coming across from the far wing and he didn't know i was there whatsoever and i hit him at full speed <laughs> in the back um, 
and he dropped the ball and I remember one of his teammates decided to take exception and lamp me in the face um, but I had just this big dumb grin on because I was like oh geez he had no idea I was coming <laughs> um, and so yeah that was like the thing and I was like you know what yeah I would like like I said if, if all I had to do was tackle I'd be pretty happy and um, yeah never I, I knew full well I, I wasn't kidding myself um, that I was you know I'm not I'm sort of lanky and and awkward I'm, I'm not not a linebacker material as much as I wish I uh, wish I could be. So um, yeah, I was like, nah, sa- safety is the one for me. And um, well, yeah. la- linebackers come in all shapes and sizes, in fairness, especially in the modern uh, NFL. Is there are there any safeties uh, that you particularly like uh, in the in the league at the moment? Um, I guess <laughs> Blitz Boy Jamal Adams. Um, I've had comparisons to that. It sort of depends what mood I'm in, whether I'm a Blitz Boy or whether I'm a free safety or whatever. But I do like Jamal Adams because just just a high intensity player. Um, but I really like, I really do like the the sort of hybrid players. So like Derwin James, um, definitely. I mean, he's always injured, which is a bit of a shame. But love them as a college player as well, and I still I still love college football um jesse bates as well where it's more of a case of you know he's not this absolute monster but he's just so good um so i love uh, yeah love that because that follows in with tyron matthew who still is up there at the top my absolute favorite i wanted to be 32 as a rookie someone else had it so i took 31 um still sore about that to this day um but uh yeah so trying to think who else who else would i like those would be the main ones definitely i mean tyron matthew still he's just an unreal player i just i just love the way he plays the game so still number one in my eyes well uh in the lead up to the super bowl we were able to chat to some of the players and michael was talking to uh Taren matthew and he was he couldn't have been nicer so, so super nice guy off the field uh very very different on it certainly uh intense um, and I suppose interested then as, you know, you got the opportunity, I suppose, to, to be like a, a DC. Um, uh, and what was what was that experience like? Are, are there particular, you know, defensive coordinators that you look to that you think, geez, I, I really like their, their way of going about it? Um, well, I mean, I, I've, I've always quite liked the, um, the like Wade Phillips idea, which is just send lots of pressure and uh, tell everyone to just man up one-on-one outside and deal with it um but i like that more from an nfl viewpoint i guess um from my own viewpoint i i feel like a lot of people try and like correlate the nfl to the level of football that gets played outside of the nfl um and it's very very different um so it's probably actually i mean i definitely liked um so brendan keller who's the the ireland dc and, and corks dc he does a very good job of not like just slapping in this scheme and being like deal with it um he, he's i mean granted probably easier when you're like selecting players from a pool as a side to just this is who you have but yeah, i think he does a good job of like making use of players who he has and that was something i try i've tried to copy as a dc it's like it's not about here's my scheme figure it out it's like you know how, how can i utilize you as a player um and so in the nfl i mean again it ties into some of my favorite players but guys like jamal adams and Aaron james and tyron matthew who get moved around as chess pieces um and their dcs play around that and their communicators and everything's very fluid um and again the legion of boom i mean it was 
it's just a ridiculous defense and um Dan Quinn, I mean, I know he hasn't had much success as a head coach, but certainly back then as a DC, like he he did change the face of NFL defenses with that sort of single high cover three shell look. And um, yeah, it's certainly, I mean, it still it still seems to do the job well enough today. Yeah, as a as a Broncos fan, I certainly was on the the, the wrong end of, of that. But we've we've lost by by more in a Super Bowl, so uh, you know that wasn't too bad. Uh, but Wade, Wade, we uh, we had the opportunity to to chat to Wade as well, and it was fascinating what you're saying about like the pressure, because Mark, who uh, is a Patriots fan, talked about that 2015 uh, AFC Championship game. And he said, uh, you hit Brady uh, about 20 times and Wade, without missing beat, goes 24. <laughs> he, he knew, and uh, that was uh, the, only, the only way I think one can beat uh, Brady. But yeah, I think between, you know, that 2013 Seattle defense and the 2015 Broncos defense, two uh, very special units. And I suppose then as, as we kind of wind down, I'm just interested, like, you know, for you, um, you know, what's the, the long term term aim? Would you, would you like to, to stay in Germany for a while or wh- what is it that you would like you see yourself doing over the next few years? I mean, obviously, I've, I've sort of bounced around quite a lot. So I'm at the point where I'm like, um, you know, I, I wanted this opportunity to play at probably the highest level that I possibly could. I mean, I, I used to think, oh, if I had a chance to play in like GFL 2, that would be unreal. So having got to play in the GFL 1 um i'm pretty happy because i am you know happy holding it because as it is i'm like you know i'd quite like to just settle down and get more established because like um i've had to like not not just in terms of football in terms of life i've had to bounce around and do this and that whatever and i'm like no i'd like to maybe stay like the goal is to stay in one place for two years i'm like oh that'd be good so um as it stands no the, the plan is, is not to go back to europe i mean i putting quite a lot of time and effort into um getting my getting my second masters out of the way and specializing and i'm like yeah i want to do that but wherever i go um i mean i'd like to uh, again after covid i'd like to take probably a, a full year for myself as a football player um before i go back into um, things like coaching but i do i do really like the coaching and i, I have a real I'm really passionate about growing the game, um, and that's not just that's not just in a like a numbers case. It's it's in a case of quality because um, I feel like there's a lot of work needs to be done on building like that base level of the game, um, and so part of that is like things like youth teams and um, just you know a bit more of a focus on actual coaching at the lower levels, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of something that I want to get into. So probably go back to doing some coaching wherever I go um, after I yeah, after I take a year for myself to um, there is, it feels at the moment like I might have slightly forgotten how to play football a wee bit um, I've joked to my teammates that um, right now I don't feel like a good football player I feel like a good rugby player because all I'm doing is uh, tackling people around the legs um, not proper football style um, so yeah I mean I don't know where I'll be necessarily um, but wherever it is I'm sort of happy to like yeah build foundation and I'd, I'd like to hope that I can go to the team and sort of bring a bit of um, experience and a bit of a uh, bit of that focus on on high quality basics because uh, I think it's it is definitely something that's missing and certainly the best teams I've played for and the best teams I've played against you know it's not about the the OBJ catches it's not about the big hits it's about just 
doing simple things right and you know you can have you can have a guy who can pull off the obj catches but he can't run the route properly that sort of thing like what's the point a guy who will knock people's heads off but he never if he's never in the right place to make a tackle like it doesn't doesn't matter so i sort of want to focus on helping helping teams out with that and uh yeah just grind the game a bit well, I want to wish you, uh, you know, continued success uh, both this weekend in, in Berlin and for the rest of the season. And just say thanks very much for taking the time to chat to me today. Cheers. Thanks very much. Welcome back into the Irish NFL show. We're delighted to be joined by Tom Donovan, a guy closer to home. He plays for the Kiel Baltic Hurricanes. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Mark. It's good to have somebody, uh, well, close to home in that sense. Uh, Tom, tell us a bit about yourself. So you play in Germany. Uh, how did you get into football in the first place? Uh, football overall, I mean, uh, when it wasn't, when it didn't come to playing, I guess I was uh, I was watching it on TV, uh, more so through playing the Madden series. I'm sure everyone's aware of the, the video games. Uh, and then just like all the sort of movies you'd have, you'd have seen uh, in your childhood, uh, any given Sunday, probably a bit more adult, but uh, remember the Titans, um, the Water Boy. Uh, a personal favorite was like the Giants, even though that's more of like a Disney film, much more corny, but um, kind of funny, I think, if you've, if you've ever seen it. Um, but yeah, and then playing was only once I was uh, essentially in, in UCD. In Ireland, unfortunately, the rules are you have to be at least 18 years old to play contact football. Um, and that's not really the same in, in Europe, but um, look, you, you, you work with what you got and um, there was a local flag football team organized outside my school um, which I went to in transition year I think and then once I had a bit of a taste like look as soon as I get to college I'm, I'm playing this and uh, when I went to UCD that was the that was my first go with it and haven't looked back since really. And I suppose Tom then in terms of, of playing with, with UCD uh, um, and I know I think you did a, an exchange uh, in uh, in the US as, as, as well if I'm not uh, mistaken but yeah. can you tell us a little bit like were, were you playing both sides of the ball with UCD did you have a fixed position because I know so I know from going to games that I've seen guys line up uh, in all sorts of positions equally some guys very specialized what was your experience with that? Right, yeah. The um the, the first year, I guess, was a bit of a they 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 like to go with the people that they 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 trust and have have, have kind of been in the system for a while and someone as inexperienced as myself was just kind of in the wings waiting for that first year. But um I was kind of sparingly in a tight end or a sort of backup quarterback um for the main guy that was there. Um and since then he he moved off uh, after like a year or two. Um and I basically took the reins as the quarterback for UCD for about four or five years. Um, and it's only been in sort of the last two years that I've kind of made the switch to receive. Like, I'm just trying to do whatever I think can help the team most. And uh, I thought um, I have the, the athletic traits, I guess, to, to, be, to be useful outside at wide receiver. I thought we might have needed another body out there. So, uh, and we have a great quarterback room anyway, currently in the end. Um, in the team so uh, I just thought it'd be the best move but um yeah as you said look it's a it's a a team that always come come summer has had trouble retaining the, the 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 students as they want to go on their j1s or um whatever it is they, they finish their college season and, and our season in Ireland continues through the summer essentially it's a summer sport so um they definitely ask you to 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 to, to help where you can if it means uh linemen playing both ways or um 
corners playing receivers or safeties playing receivers and stuff. So yeah, I've had it. I've dabbled in everywhere. I've dabbled on the defensive line and, and, and safety as well, just to, to help out and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a try all over the years. Like, Tom, you're, you're based in Germany now, and I suppose how, how did the move to Germany come about? And I suppose what, what's the transition been like from playing in UCD to going over there? And I suppose competing um, against players across the state from the states and various different countries. Right. Yeah, it's it's been a challenge. Like um, the, the physicality uh, and the athleticism is definitely is up there. Like I mean, my the 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 international team for 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 Ireland, the uh, the Irish Wolfhounds, um, has kind of been recently rebooted and um, has been kind of in effect since about 2016, I think, uh, or 2017. We had like exhibition games against the Netherlands and Belgium and stuff, and we've had success. We um, we've beaten the Belgian team twice now, uh, both home and away back in uh, I think 2018 and 2019 possibly but um I think of the level here as a sort of because that Irish Wolfhounds team is very um it's it's the, the, the everyone the, the best players in the country coming together I guess to play and train and it's not a, hard, a huge window of, of time to, to to have access to these players but I think this Germany like GFL level is quite similar to the the international level for maybe it's it's a bit they obviously have way more time more efficient um, in terms of the the, the scheduling and, and uh, training and access to players, but I feel that if you if you gave that same opportunity of time to the to the Irish Wolfhounds, that they would have a chance to compete. I think at a GFO one level, I guess. But um, they do. They do. They some of these guys are fed quite a lot of uh, quite quite largely here. I think there's a, there's some huge lads on this on on the teams uh, on, in the trenches. Like that is something you don't see as many of those sort of guys in Ireland. So um, it's scary, but uh, look, uh, fortunately, I don't have to deal with them too often. It's yeah, it's it's amazing watching the leagues over Europe and seeing the difference as well. For you, Tom, what's the long term mean for yourself? Do you plan to stay in Germany? Would you like to play in Ireland, or have you got maybe uh, different aspirations in that sense? It's hard to say. I um, I'm thinking like I was kind of in between jobs uh, when this 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 came up, and I'll, I'll, I have to make sure I give uh, Dara Farrell a shout out. Uh, uh, he's one of my coaches at home uh, in UCD. Uh, joined the team a few years ago uh, as our sort of defensive coordinator and mastermind. Um, he played himself in the GFL, I think, back uh, probably 10 years ago, back in his younger days. But uh, um, probably wouldn't like me saying that. But uh, he, I think he played for Lubeck, uh, which at the time could have been a GFL1 team. I actually can't remember. But the current coach that I'm, play, that I'm playing under here, Timo Zorn, uh, him and they were both buddies back in back in the day for that team, I think, and that's just how the opportunity came up. So, um, so that I kind of I very much deviated away from the from the question here, but like uh, I'm not. This was definitely a, I didn't think I was going to get this opportunity. I you know I'm 29 now. If this is nothing like a professional league, so maybe people can play into their late 30s or 40s. Uh, I'm sure uh, and get away with it, but. Um, I think of this as more of a bucket list thing. I would love to continue it. I don't know what you know the coaches are going to come up and say to me after the year, uh, but I do have a plan. I guess to go back home at the end of the season, find a job, see if it goes out well. Um, do they have opportunities to go? You know, we've all we've all gotten used to working remote. You know, maybe there'll be those sort of windows uh, 
left open for um for people uh, to to you know maybe pick up and move up somewhere else and and, and be able to to maybe continue living out the the, the dream I guess uh, for for someone locally here for me like so I, I don't know what's going to happen I'm not really thinking that far ahead but I wouldn't say no if I can take get the same opportunity again and I'll always have my door open or waiting for the the the, the person to come knocking for that for that next step but if not I'll gladly live out my days uh, with UCD and then be put out to pasture. <laughs> Well, uh, look, uh, whatever happens, you've had uh, the, the opportunity and uh, interesting to, to hear, I suppose, that move, you know, t- tight end QB, wide receiver, a uh, little bit of the, the Justin Edelman's uh, in there. And uh, leading on to, to the NFL, do you have a, a particular uh, NFL team, Tom? Yeah, I've been um, a Seattle Seahawks fan for uh, a number of years now. I, I say 2005, I was very young at that point and I did not realise that that was a a team that had just appeared or it was just appearing in the Super Bowl and got robbed, supposedly. Well, I don't know. But um yeah, I've been sticking to that one team um all these years. And um whilst it's been more fruitful than not, um honestly, it's it's been fun. And I I, I said um earlier, but um the 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 year in exchange I spent in the University of Washington, I was had that opportunity to go well, at least I took the opportunity to 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 see the team when they were playing in the Super Bowl in New York. And I have an uncle who lives there, so he's able to 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 have me stay there for that weekend. And that was um, an experience I wouldn't forget. Like you know, best best moment of fandom in my life. Tom, just you, you touched on before we start recording around playbooks and you know the remote yeah. the remote access and obviously doing the meetings. What's what's that like to be involved in? Um. It's it's cool. I mean, like most people don't uh, don't have their 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 cameras on or their audios on. You let the coach lead the conversation and uh, people dipping in and out with uh, questions as you go. But um, first thing, like, it came off. Feel as like bit, a, feel like a lecture from college. How many? I don't even like. I wasn't even in college when this when when there was many uh, online lectures. But um, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> It, um, it does feel like that actually it does really much so they have this other they use go webinar or go to webinar or something very similar to zoom and all that so um a lot of sharing screens and um it's it's fine like it's it's, it's efficient they're the germans they love their you know love their efficiency absolutely tom um I'd like to just wish you all the very best in the future. Obviously, a very interesting time ahead for you in Germany, and, and you're welcome on any time as well, especially if Seattle do well, which I think they will in this next season. And uh, just thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. No, thank you guys for having me on. Thank you.